On this final Saturday of the year, it's time once again for a wine chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Happy New Year, Jack. Happy New Year to you, Denny. And may it be a balmy one. <laughs> yeah, well, so far it's been pretty balmy. It really has. A little snow tonight, but uh, I think it's great, uh, the, the at least good weather for those that may be doing a little celebrating. Well, indeed. And what better topic to have about celebration is the wine of celebration, champagne. It's a celebratory drink. Uh, it's used for the launching of ships, for birth wine of celebration, champagne. It's a celebratory drink. Uh, it's used for the launching of ships, for births, for weddings, promotions, uh, almost everything celebratory you can connect with champagne. Now, now, you know, champagne is a very specific wine. It comes from a little area that's east and north of Paris, and it's grown on the very same chalk basis that you get the White Cliffs of Dover. They run that chalk runs down through Chablis and all the way across uh, the English Channel. And that chalk is what gives champagne its distinctive flavor. You can be brand new to wine, and I can guarantee you if I poured three different glasses of wine or four, and one was a, uh, a sect uh, from Germany, and one was a uh, cava from Spain, and another was a Prosecco from Italy, and the fourth one was a bottle of champagne, everybody would pick the champagne. It's just that distinctive a drink. And, and it has a very, very noble, noble history. The cathedral at Rennes is where the first king of France was crowned, Clovis, uh, in before the 10th century, in 900 and something. And every king of France, with the exception of Napoleon Bonaparte, has been crowned in Wren. And Wren was very popular for its wine. And at that time, the wine was a red wine from the Pinot Noir grape. And But they had what they called devil wine, where wine underwent a secondary fermentation and bubbles were in the bottle. Well, they never figured out how to put those bubbles in, keep those bottles in the bottle, till along came a monk named Dom Perignon. And he worked on the closure a lot of people credit him with inventing champagne, but champagne was a natural thing. Uh, and champagne, real champagne, is always going to be expensive. And, and good old Dom Perignon figured out how to keep that sparkle in the bottle. In fact, champagne was the first wine in the world to be shipped in bottles in the 1700s. The king at the time claimed that champagne was his favorite drink. And uh, champagne then was much different than it is now. It was more viscous, a little thicker, and uh, very much sweeter, and the bubbles weren't as pronounced. But champagne manufacture has evolved tremendously, and it is expensive because it takes three years to produce a bottle of champagne. There are very few wines that take that long to go from vine to market, and champagne takes over three years. What happens is you first ferment the wine just like you would any other wine. Then you put the wine, you uncork it, and you add what they call the dosage. And dosage is usually a mixture of sugar and other wines to that to determine the sweetness and dryness of the wine. And bear in mind, Brut is the driest French champagne. 
if you get a French champagne that's dry, that's slightly sweet. And Cremant is definitely sweet uh, when you're buying uh, champagne. But as I said, champagne really is very distinctive. And like I say, the other sparkling wines from all over the world are wonderful, good, etc. But none of them have the cachet or the flavor of real champagne. And I don't care whether it's one of the very tony uh, wineries in California that is now making sparkling wine. They make a very good sparkling wine. Don't misunderstand me. I love them, but they don't taste like real French champagne. Uh, And real French champagne protects that name. In fact, there was a very interesting uh, thing that happened years ago uh, when Moet and Chandon, which is a big house, that's famous for Champagne Domain uh, Chandon in California. They opened that vineyard called Domain Chandon. And they were all wondering what the French were going to do because the United States is the only country that never signed the Paris Accord of 1911, which gave the French the word Champagne exclusively. So that's why Champagne from uh, Spain is called Cava and uh, Spamante in Italy, and uh, Sect in Germany. But we still call a lot of the sparkling wines we make here Champagne, but they aren't really. And lo and behold, when Chandon came out, they just labeled it sparkling wine, and that was the determination. Now very many of the French houses have uh, installations in this country to make their sparkling wine. Rotor makes a wonderful sparkling wine in this country, and they're most famous for their Rotor Crystal, which is like Dom Perignon, only it comes in a clear glass bottle. The biggest patron there was the Tsar of Russia, and he was always worried about getting assassinated, so they would ship his wine in Baccarat Crystal that you could see through, so you could see that there was no poison put in the wines. But anyway, we're digressing. A lot of, there's so many good sparkling wines from the Champagne district, and it's a blend usually of three grapes: Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay. Those three, and also in Champagne, most of the wine is non-vintage, and there's a reason for that. The people in Champagne a long time ago wanted you to remember when that you had a bottle of say Veuve Clicquot at your wedding 10 years ago, and now you're going to have a bottle at uh, your 10th anniversary, you wanted the wine to taste the same. So they wanted the wine a little like Campbell's Soup, that every time you made it, it would taste the same. So vintages vary, as we know, and the temperature and the end result. But by blending uh, with several vintages and producing champagne that's non-vintage, you get that uh, solid Vouv Clicquot that you learn to love, that the wine is not changing so much. They do make vintage champagne, don't misunderstand me, and you can buy that if you like it. But the idea with the champagne was that it's consistent, so that, again, what you have tonight is reminiscent of what you had five years ago, and that's what they aim for. And there's been a lot of interesting stuff in the champagne area, as I said, they were the first ones to ship in bottle. They were the first really wine to become international. Uh, and that was due to a pioneer woman called Vuv Clico, the widow Clico. 
Uh, she invented the riddling rack, and she was responsible for shipping her wine to England. And once the English got a hold of champagne and really loved it, they were off to the races because champagne became the drink, of, again, of celebration, etc. And the English were great for toting it as they conquered around the world, uh, building an empire. The, the champagne of France accompanied them on that uh, round-the-world trip. The wines of champagne, uh, as I said, are very interesting I love to go and visit there. It's always nice to do because you can, if you're in Paris and you have a free day, you can take the train up to Epernay and go and visit some of the champagne houses. It's a very worthwhile trip, believe me. A lot of fun. You'll learn a lot about champagne. You can walk through those cellars and see all that chalk I talked about from the white clip, and that's why the champagne gets its distinct flavor. You can even see some of the roots if they let you walk under the vineyards. They have cellars there. In fact, the interesting story in World War II, they bottled up all of their champagne quickly, and the mold grows very quickly in those basements uh, in Champagne region, and they hid about three-quarters of a million uh, bottles on the Germans that they never did find until after the war they broke them out, and there was great celebration with them. George Patton, one time... We were there with a wonderful lady, the Comtesse, and she uh, presented us with the fact that she was George Patton's mistress, and we never understood him, what a great man he was and a great general. And he, he was killed, he was run over, he died later in the hospital, but in, right there in Champagne. And of course he uh, was responsible for liberating that whole area of France from the Germans and is highly thought of. But anyhow, we, the champagne is wine, again, of celebration. The, some of the quotes that have been attributed to people with champagne are really wonderful, I think. One of my favorite is attributed to Winston Churchill. They asked him, he had every day, which incidentally, they've just allowed since Brexit, where the British uh, opted out of the com European common market, they couldn't bring in pints of champagne. Now they can bring them again. Every And Churchill was responsible for that because every morning on his breakfast tray, he had a pint of champagne. Anyhow, some wag said to him, why do you drink so much champagne, Winston? He said, in defeat, I need it. In victory, I deserve it. And, and so many people have said wonderful things about champagne. Uh, Tallulah Bankhead said the only thing better than a bottle, a glass of champagne is a bottle. Some other wags said champagne's like duct tape. It can fix everything. And uh, Madame Bollinger said, when I'm happy, I must have it. When I'm alone, I must have it. When I'm sad, it cheers me up. With company, it's obligatory. Otherwise, I never touch it unless I'm thirsty. Betty Davis said, there comes a time in a woman's life when the only thing that helps is a glass of champagne. And it just goes on and on. Coco Chanel said, I drink it when I'm in love, and I have to have it when I'm not in love. And Mark Twain said this best. Too much of anything is bad, but too much champagne is just about right. And Oscar Wilde said, everything in moderation, especially moderation. 
So I think you get the idea. Champagne is really worth going out and seeking. It's a wonderful, wonderful drink. And like I say, as much as we try to replicate it all over the world, and there are great sparkling wines all over the world, and frankly, if you're going to make mimosas or cranberry mimosas, which is a mimosa made with cranberry juice, I suggest you use uh, something like Prosecco or inexpensive cava from Spain, etc. Don't put really good champagne in that mimosa because, it, you know, the orange juice cuts it dramatically. And uh, so you're better off to use some of those lesser expensive ones. But champagne is expensive, but not really when you figure how long it takes and all that. At the moment, uh, Nicholas Feute, uh, which is a wonderful little champagne house, Feute, has champagne for under $30 a bottle. And there's some good prices on things like Piper Hydex, under $40 a bottle. And after all, New Year's comes only once a year. It's the first day of a book of 365 pages. So you want to begin it well. And there's no better way, in my opinion, to begin it than with a glass of the French champagne, real sparkling wine from the place where it was invented and the place where it's grown and flourished, and that is champagne from France. You can't go wrong because those champagne will just reward you. And they make a lot of it. They make about 350 million bottles a year of French champagne. And like I say, why not splurge, indulge yourself, and have a bottle of good French champagne to bring in the new year? Absolutely. And I know you can find a lot of good things besides the champagne at any Haskell's location. Indeed. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine, beer, spirits, seltzers. But with wine, they're particularly good because they can pair that wine with whatever you're having and make sure that your meal is a real success by combining a good bottle of wine, well chosen, with whatever you're having. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Our winter summer winter sale is still on through the 14th of January. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington. There's one in Excelsior. Off of 35, there's one in Faribault. Our super cellar up in Maple Grove is not to be believed. 22,000 square feet. And we have over 400 sparkling wines at Haskell's, I might add. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale. There's one in Plymouth. In St. Paul's Island Village, you'll find one. There's a Haskell's in Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, we do deliver directly to your home from Haskell's. Absolutely. And, Jack, let's uh, talk in uh, the brand new year. I'm going to look forward to that, Denny, and once again to you and all your listeners, a very happy and healthy new year. Thanks, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.